Hello and welcome to Better Discussions with me, Luke Kearhay. This is the podcast where I delve into the minds of students from right across the uni spectrum to hear about their life experiences, their hobbies and interests, and their views and beliefs. If you like what you hear, please follow the podcast on your preferred streaming platform and find me on Instagram at Better Discussions Pod. And don't forget to follow the university's radio and podcast station at FuseFM. But for now, time to meet this week's guest. I hope you enjoy listening. In May this year, the world stopped still to witness one of the largest anti-racism movements the world has ever seen. It encompassed people of all races and nationalities. As someone who is a person of colour myself, I was inspired by the movement, but it also made me question my own actions and whether or not I was doing enough to carry forward the movement. However, how much impact did the Black Lives Matter movement really have? Has it helped eliminate racial injustices within society, or is there still a lot of work to do? My guest this week is someone who has been a keen anti-racism activist, sharing her experiences and views in articles for a student-run magazine. I'm wanting to talk to her today to find out about her experiences as a British Indian woman at university and in society in general. I also want to find out what she thinks about the Black Lives Matter movement and her advice to people of colour joining university. So Shavaya Prasad, welcome to Better Discussions. Hello. How are you? I'm okay, how are you? I'm very good, yeah. Uh, So I want to start with talking about your kind of upbringing a little bit. So you grew up in Bristol. How white of the area was it? I would say Bristol's like reasonably kind of diverse, but I think it is very much um, within like areas geographically. There's a few areas that are predominantly black and some areas that are very white. So it's quite divided in that sense. Yeah, so I mean, because I'm from London and it's quite a similar setup there in terms of there's quite there's a lot of white areas, but there's also quite a lot of um, ethnic minority areas as well. How conscious of your race were you um, growing up in the area that you lived in? Um, not really that conscious. At my primary school was mainly black and Asian. Um, I think my main realisation is when I went got to secondary school and it was a lot more mixed and I met a lot more kind of like white middle class people. But it was still still felt quite homely because it was still quite diverse. I think the main point where I kind of realised and kind of acknowledged the fact that the differences in race was when I went to sixth form, it was very, very white. And what was weird that some people would call the sixth form diverse, but to me it just felt very alien. Why, why would some people say that it was quite diverse? Well, I think some people think if you've got a few black and Asian people, then it's diverse. But that's not what diversity is, especially if it's not very kind of integrated and things are quite separate. Yeah. And um, so within your within your school, was it the same school people that you, you went into sixth form with or was it completely different group of friends that you made at sixth form? Um, I made a few new friends, but yeah, I had similar friends from my secondary school to sixth form. Um, and yeah. Yeah. How much of a help were they in understanding the position that you were coming from in terms of diversity and things like that? Um, I think there's always going to be a barrier, especially with people around you, that they'll never truly understand what it's like. So as much as like a friend can sympathise and understand and listen, like you'll never really feel that isolation. Um, but a lot of my friends are very supportive and understanding, especially in our secondary school, because it was quite diverse um, that cultivated some understanding obviously this might be a little bit difficult for you to talk about and I you know I understand you might not want to go into too much uh, detail with this but how bad was some of the racism that you experienced when you were growing up 
I think I've never really experienced anything that severe, but it's a lot of microaggressions, lots of stupid questions, you know, looks in the street, I've been spat at, I've been called a packy, you know, that stuff is, I think, quite universal. And, you know, that's probably coming from a place of where it hasn't been that bad for me, like, especially in comparison to experiences of black people, like, that would be much worse. Mm. And um, experiences in my family, like, it is quite nuanced, but... Yeah, like there's always, and especially with microaggressions, like especially at the time, you don't really realize how bad they are. But upon reflection, you realize like that was racist and that experience was racialized. Yeah, um, that's definitely the, the case. And how old were you when you experienced the first, you know, bit of racism that you, you've had in your mm. life? Um, no, I can't remember specifically, but I think I was probably about nine or 10 when I got called a packy in the street. But I've always been made very aware of race and racism by my family and parents and I've always been quite educated and aware of how these things work and what it's like. That was going to be my next question I mean how was it explained to you when you were younger about stuff like racism? I don't really remember for example. Yeah I don't really remember a specific explanation I just think it's always been quite ongoing Um, like my parents are very aware of these things and have always kind of told us about these kind of things and racism and history. Um, I can't really think of any specific time it's been told to me. I just feel like I've always been very aware of it. Were you taught much about racism from your school? Was there any, you know, in, in terms of when you did history, was there ever much talking mm. about the empire well, or things like that? Yeah, my, my secondary school was quite good in that sense. So we had different lessons in year 10, so we had like a lesson on Aboriginal Australians, we had a lesson on like the Chinese Empire, the British Empire was mentioned. We always did a lot for Black History Month, um, but there was never really a proper outline of education about the British Empire and its like atrocities and that kind of thing. Like I've never had a proper coherent education on it until I came to uni and picked a module on it. Um, in sixth form, there was not, we just did the Tudors and the Cold War, like there was no recognition of it at all. What were the reactions to that when you were in school, when things were talked about, like the British Empire or colonialism or racism? What was the reaction from the majority of your peers to those discussions? I think it's always been quite, especially in my secondary school, because it was quite diverse and the way it was taught, everyone was just quite like accepting of it and understood it. But I think still people are still shocked about British history and the empire, like, for example, like coming to uni someone I met in first year said, oh, I didn't know racism still existed. They had no idea about the British Empire. Like people are very unaware and act very surprised um, when really racism is completely embedded in our history. And, and that actually moves the conversation on very nicely and um, talking about how when you came to Manchester, again, were you quite race, race conscious when you were in Manchester when you, when you first joined university? Yeah, definitely. I think Manchester seems... Um, quite diverse and it is really diverse but the university is obviously very white and it is very isolating and quite almost scary to feel that there's no one really like you or that no one really understands you um but I also found that I found the kind of feeling of class difference very prominent as well like the idea of money I didn't realize how rich people were like so many people were like privately educated like it was all just very new to me and quite overwhelming and a lot of people seem see, just seem very ignorant to things. Like, for example, yeah, someone I met said that they didn't really realise racism still existed. You know, I've met some people with some quite, like, in my opinion, extreme right-wing views. Um, 
And it's always just been quite shocking to me that it's very accepted. And I think there, especially at university, there's this kind of thing like, oh, I come from a sheltered background. Like I'm only around white people. But I think at a certain age, if you have access to the internet and access to books, it is people's responsibility to educate themselves. And there's, there's not really much excuse for ignorance in certain situations. How do you talk to people who have what you say is the, the ignorance that you've experienced? How, 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 do, how, do those, how do those discussions go when you do Well, usually I'm just like shocked and um, I just kind of say that's not true and like use some evidence. But it's hard because as much as I want to educate people, it's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility as an Asian person. It's not black people's responsibility to educate others on kind of black history and the treatment of minorities and marginalized communities like in the end it is the responsibility of kind of like white communities white people and um and you know people who aren't oppressed by the system to educate themselves of how to implement those changes yeah was there anyone that you could talk to about these things that i mean you obviously felt that some people were quite ignorant was anyone that you could talk to about that was it well yeah one of one of my friends from home um is it was it uni so I remember feeling quite shocked and like isolated um and I used to talk to her about it and just like my friends from home and my family um and I think at uni I used to try and it's hard because you're kind of making all these friends and it's a very intense time but you also want to kind of find like-minded people and people who are quite similar um so I always kind of felt that a part of me was still kind of on the lookout to find a place where I felt more safe and comfortable. What, um, when I, I told... I sorry, what, I mean, what was your friend's response to when, when you said that you felt that you were, um, I can't remember the phrase you used, um, you felt a little bit on, on edge to say, um, what was her reaction to you confiding in her about that? Um, well, as I said, like, because we were from, went to the same secondary school and stuff, like, she was also quite surprised like I think you do kind of create this kind of bubble of safety like especially like in your hometowns and with your families and your friendship groups and you don't realize that a lot of people are uneducated and as I said like it is bad because they aren't educated in schools and that is a big flaw in the education system then there is also a part of just kind of ignorance and responsibility as well and me and my friend and me and that friend from um, home used to always discuss the kind of yeah, we were always just quite shocked by the amount of money people had and but it's and um kind of the amount of people that were privately educated but still kind of insisted that they didn't really have any money and that they grew up and like private education is like quite normal and ignorance is completely accepted. And I've read your article that you wrote um about your experiences, not only at university but just in general. Um how hard was that to write? Um I didn't find it that hard. I remember coming across the advert for it and I almost saw it as a bit of an outlet, which I didn't have at university. Um, so I found it quite cathartic, I think. So in your article, you, you talk about a seminar instance where um, you felt that when you were talking about being British, uh, not many people thought that you were British. Um, just tell me a little bit more about that experience. You know, how... How different was that to experience that you've had before or was it quite similar? Mm, I think especially at university, because I've picked quite a lot of modules about race and that kind of thing. Um, it is quite because everyone was talking about like the, the use of our history and our experiences. 
and um, talking about the war and like history and all of, all about all of it being quite based in Britain. And you know, I'm just as British as they are, but like the way we were talking about it, like when I spoke, it almost seemed a bit. It seems a bit uncomfortable like uh, no one really says anything explicitly but there is just that thing of being stared at that I think many people can relate to yeah I definitely think that's def that, that that's the case I mean I'll, I'll give you a situation I mean I remember um a couple of years ago when England were in the World Cup um and England did very well at the World Cup and there was this kind of sense of national um pr pride and uh, importance um, when that was going on, I mean, I don't know how much you're into football, to be honest, but when those things come on and, you know, huge national events um, and you're there maybe supporting your country, do you ever feel a little bit um, like people aren't accepting you? I mean, I, yeah, I can't deny I'm not massively engaged in football, but um, I get what you mean in the fact that there is, I reckon there is this thing at the back of people's heads where it's like, you're not truly accepted or not truly part of it. And that is because the skin, the, the colour of your skin is different. Um, and I think it will be that way for a long time as much as people don't want to admit it like it is subconscious and I think it is hard because lots of people say like we won the war we did this like we defeated this person like we've done this but my history is not part of that. So we saw recently at university there was a big uproar about um, the racial profiling incident that took place uh, on the yeah. Firefield campus. Um, when you saw things like that still happening even though it's six months since um, the Black Lives Matter movement and people have started to think twice about their behaviour and their actions. How disheartening was that for you to see that taking place, not only at this moment in time, but also at the university so close to everyone? I think it's, it's really heartbreaking and it is disgusting, but you can't, at this point in history and time, like, I wouldn't say I was surprised, especially with people in authority and um, people with power. Like people will be oppressed and treat be treated badly, especially as racism is ingrained into our society. Um, so it was really disheartening, but I wouldn't say I was particularly surprised. So, what steps would you want the university to take, not only in that instance, but to try and alleviate racism from kind of um, the institution? Hmm. A, a massive acknowledgement of Brit like Britain's history and probably the university as well and um, probably train all security guards and people in those positions with kind of with anti-racism training maybe and also like I see how they implement um, kind of modules about racism and stuff in history and politics modules but they should make that universal across all degrees I think, yeah. um, and also it's employ people who are people who kind of put them in higher positions, you know, um, create create positions for marginalised communities to speak out. It's all about giving people a platform and giving people the opportunity to speak because as much as an um, institution can do something, you shouldn't speak for someone who is marginalised. They should be able to amplify their own voices. Can, we, can you see things like this being stopped within the time that you're in university or do you think this is going to take a lot of time to kind of win back the um win back the trust of people of color at university i think it's going to take quite a long time i think a lot of work needs to be put into it and everyone needs to be very committed like with 
university at the moment, like with the vice chancellor, like you're not really seeing much commitment with that stuff in the news about lying about a letter being written to the person who was racially profiled. Like there needs to be a massive engagement, actual remorse and proper change needs to be implemented. Can you take any positives from this? I mean, from my, from my point of view, um, there was a massive amount of student solidarity with the boy who was racially profiled. Surely that's a positive that we can take from this incident, if there's if there's any positives. Yeah, definitely. I think this um this like unity and everyone campaigning is really important and it should just continue really. So I now want to turn away from the university side of things and more to society in general. Um so when you saw uh the horrible events of the execution of George Floyd um back in May, what did you think of at the time? It was just, it was really, really heartbreaking, really upsetting um, and just kind of horrendous to see that it's just such a horrible cycle of violence and injustice. And what was your view specifically as um, as a person of colour who, who isn't black? Um, do you think you reacted differently to someone else or do you think your reaction was exactly the same as any person of colour would be in that situation? Um, I would say it is different, you know, like with intersectionality, like we all have different experiences. And um, of course, black people have different experiences. And I can't imagine what it would have been like to be black and to see that, you know, like that, that brutalization is horrendous. And, you know, it was horrible to see and I found it really upsetting. But I would say, yeah, like, experiences are very nuanced. And we do have different experiences to each other. We soon saw with the Black Lives Matter that um, it, it, it went away the focus from specific incidents to making people think more generally about racism. Um, so how much would you say um, has changed in your day-to-day -day life with racism um, and racial injustice? Um, I mean, for me personally, I wouldn't say anything's really changed. I think that two weeks, everyone was very engaged on social media and as much as that's really good, it can feel like people are trying to follow a trend. And it was really, really good that people were so engaged, but there was a part of me that was almost a bit like, how are you just caring now? How are you just engaging? Why should people have to see such a horrible murder on their screens to care? Um, you know, like as much as it's really good, and I'm really, really glad that this huge like mobilization of kind of protest and that kind of thing's taken place. Um, I would say that in a, in a way there was a part of me that was like, I wish this had always been a presence and um, yeah, personally, I wouldn't say much has changed for me day to day. Like, you know, we're isolating doing uni work. I would say hopefully some people are a bit more engaged and aware of their actions and how to kind of tackle racism, but yeah. I haven't, I'm yet to see that. Yeah. Um, there was another thing that I want to talk to you about as well with the Black Lives Matter movement. And we saw there was, there was a big debate about statues. Um, and there was a big talk about uh, the role of uh, Mahatma Gandhi, who, um, as myself being someone from India as well, um, saw Mahatma Gandhi as, as, as you know, as many Indians do, as a figure of... Um, of nationalism who who took on the colonial state um but there was a big backlash against uh, gandhi's actions throughout history do you have a specific view on that um as i said these things are nuanced and as much as gandhi did those of positive things like he also had quite harmful racist views about black people um 
and you know he used racist slurs in his writing and he said the Indians were superior to black people and as much as lots of figures in history have done positive things if you want to kind of you know you have to acknowledge that the that there's also lots of negative things and that is an inherently racist view um and i think especially with statues like many people argue that statues are like taking down history and that kind of thing but statues are there to kind of commemorate and celebrate someone so i don't why is taking that down getting rid of history that like you could have a plaque explaining what it meant and why it was taken down and i think yeah it's just important to recognize those nuances and understand the historical figures are very complex but you also can't defend actions of historical figures um especially when they have harmfully impacted someone else so would you would you take down gandhi's statue um i don't know i think it's quite complicated um and i don't know what i do in that situation i think in the end if a statue is causing upset or um paint someone then there's no reason not to take it down like let's say especially obviously because Gandhi was um racist and said racist things about black people you need to listen to black people and listening listen to people's voices who are hurt and amplify those voices so if they are saying take it down like I'm finding this harmful and upsetting then why shouldn't we listen to those who are being marginalized and oppressed obviously the Black Lives Matter movement took place across the whole country but there was a big center of it in Bristol your hometown um, yeah. how inspiring was that to you knowing that the the kind of the epicenter of the movement was your area it was really really exciting I remember watching it on the news with my family and like we were like it was just like amazing so especially with the Colston statue I've always been very aware of it. You know, it's in the town centre. used to walk past it all the time. Like, we always used to learn about it. There have been loads of petitions and protests about taking it down, and it never really happened. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't be at the protest because I was staying inside because I didn't, because um, some of my family members are vulnerable. But um, it was really, really inspiring and really exciting to watch. Um, I don't know what the updates on that are. What, what's what been done since the, uh, the the statue being removed? Um, well, obviously the statue got thrown into the harbour and I think the yeah. statue's been taken out to be put into M, in the M Shed, which is a museum about Bristol history. It, would that, is that something that you support or would you would you rather just that staying in the harbour? That, that, that statue? Honestly, like I, I'm fine with the statue staying in the harbour, but I think... I think it's I think putting it in the museum is also um, a completely valid idea and acknowledging the harmful history and the role of Edward Colston as a slave trader. Um, so what would be your advice to someone going into university, someone of colour um, who is quite is quite uh, conscious of their race, quite conscious of their family history and their background? Um, what would you say to that person? Um, I think just remember that you're not alone and that you can always reach out to your family and friends and find people like university is huge it's massive there's so many different people like you can always find someone and I think it's also hard because you're put into quite an awkward position because you're making these new friends and a lot of people are actually saying quite harmful things and excusing other people's quite harmful behaviors and attitudes and there is this kind of duty to feel like oh I need to educate them but like as I said before it's not 
black peoples or Asian peoples or just ethnic minorities responsibility to educate others and that education has to be put on themselves. And I think, if, for example, even this type of podcast, like the questions you're asking me, like those questions should be asked also to kind of white people with different views, right wing, left wing, but to ask how they're going to tackle racism um, and tackle unconscious bias because really that is where the problem lies. So I think it's just a matter of education and amplifying marginalised voices. How much of a duty is uh, someone who is um, making, let's say, quite inflammatory comments, um, how much responsibility do they have in changing their own actions? Or should people um, call out people who have been known to be making racist remarks I think it's hard because there is so there is only so much you can do to change someone's opinion and change someone's behavior and that is really difficult and that I personally do call out people quite a lot and it doesn't sometimes end that well but um, I personally just feel like if I hear something I disagree with like I do say something but I do understand especially some people black people or Asian people or ethnic minorities and people of color like it's very draining it's very emotionally draining and and, you know, you should never feel responsible for someone else being a bigot, essentially. Um, Can you give me an example of a time where you have called someone out and they've reacted not in the best way? Um, well, as I said in first year, like I knew someone who I lived with someone who said, um, oh, I didn't realise racism existed. And I was like, that's really naive. And then they get quite defensive. And there's also... Um, someone who is completely polar opposite to me in terms of views very right wing some views I find very harmful and we had a discussion about um kind of freedom of speech and what's classed as kind of like a hate crime and I was saying oh so let's say someone is on the street and they're not hurting me or hitting me or touching me but they're shouting packy at me and being really racist do you not think there should be any legal repercussions for that and they were just like as bad as it is no they should be societally condemned but that shouldn't be in the law and I remember just being quite like shocked because for me that incites hatred and that can incite violence um things are always a bit I think awkward when you challenge people and things can be quite like, uncomfortable and people get very very defensive and they're like I'm not racist I have a black friend um I'm not racist I was brought up this way I'm sheltered I don't understand this I don't understand that and um yeah I think people can be very defensive and and it can also just get quite awkward I think What's your particular view? And, and this is going something that's going around in society quite a lot at the moment, especially when it comes to racism. Um, and it's about cancel culture. Do you have a particular view on cancel culture? Mm, I think obviously cancel culture is also very nuanced and complicated. I wouldn't say I have any particularly huge opinions on it as of this moment. I think it's hard because people can change. And especially a lot of people bring up stuff from people's teenage years and youth when you're, you know, a bit stupid and less educated. I think with cancel culture, it's probably counterproductive because it doesn't allow change. But I think when people are called out for the things they've said and done, there has to be some kind of action to show that they're trying to change and um, trying to empower um, marginalised voices. Like there needs to be some kind of action. Like you can't just say sorry and then get on with things there needs to be some kind of um, some, some something to show that they're trying. 
a lot of the experience of racism that I've had um, is more to do with uh, jokes being made and stuff like that. I mean, normally from people who I, I don't think for one moment in, I don't, I've never thought for one moment that they're racist people, but they've said things that are, can be construed as racist and I've been personally quite offended by them. Um, so how innocent is kind of the old racist joke being made um, by someone that you're fairly close with? I think I think it's not innocent at all like I have friends um, who probably said some problematic things and you've got to call them out on it there's this whole attitude of our oh, PC culture like snowflake like said you know the ability to make jokes is dying but in the end racist jokes are harmful and if you're making a friend someone you care about uncomfortable for the skin they're in like that's not innocent and as much as they might not be aware of the repercussions of their words if you tell them that's wrong and they should understand that and I think especially with racist jokes like why should your race be something to make fun of why is your race a joke why is being you know especially with being Indian like that's something that's such a caricature and like always being made fun of yeah and you know like curry jokes and all that all that kind of stuff like it's it is just ridiculous and it's quite childish and as much as it can be innocent in terms of not wanting to inflict harm it still causes harm, it still causes upset, and it can still cause pain and make someone feel uncomfortable in who they are. And I don't think that should be excused. I think that to move forward, people can't just get away with anything. People need to be called up on things. People need to educate themselves and, you know, enact change. When, it, when you hear stuff like, like jokes being made, I know that in my personal experience, um, if this if this was to happen three or four years ago, I'd find it very very hard to be calling people out on things like that. In fact, I remember instances where um, I've tried to call people out, and they've labelled me such as things like that, being oh just you know don't worry, it's it's, it's nothing harmful, it, it doesn't we don't we're not meaning it, and things like that. Um, but do you think since the Black Lives Matter movement and since this big awakening of um, racial injustice, people of colour are uh, beginning to call people out and feel more confident in calling people out when, when they have experienced racism? From my personal perspective, like I can't, obviously can't speak for everyone, like I'm only really coming from my own experiences. Yeah. Um, I'd say that there is a kind of sense of, it kind of feels less scary to kind of speak out. Like I'm not saying, I'm not putting down anyone who hasn't spoken out against these kind of jokes and stuff. Like I have definitely let things slide, especially in school, like, especially when you're feeling a bit shy, you're not feeling great. You know, you don't want to contradict this and for people to yeah. laugh at you. Um, so I think, but yeah, I think there is maybe at the moment it feels less daunting. It feels like maybe people actually listen. And I don't know whether it's because they actually care or they're scared of being condemned, because obviously, especially the Black Lives Matter movement and racism, there is a broader discussion about it. But I would say there is this, um, maybe a slight more confidence to be able to kind of voice their experiences and speak out. Um, my final question, Shavaya, would be, how do you see your future going with uh, things like activism? I know that you're uh, very committed to things like this. What do you see yourself doing in the future to um, push forward the message that you're so passionate about? I mean, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I just think I think even in acts of even with like acts of kind of resistance, it's just almost just by just doing what we want to do and existing and just like achieving what we want to achieve. I think there is this idea that especially like black people and people of color should really be striving to make these huge changes and as much as that's really great it's okay to just kind of live a normal life and um get on with things and I think that's an act of defying 
kind of your oppressors and people expecting you not to achieve I think I will always continue to kind of call people out and educate people but then also make sure it's not that it's my duty to educate people I think the main thing that I would want to kind of go on with is just listening to people's experiences and amplifying um, voices that aren't heard or listened to Um, and just kind of challenging people's experiences and people's views that kind of I disagree with and make people think a bit differently. Brilliant. Thank you, Shavaya. Thank you. Throughout these episodes, my role is to question and probe my guests on specific issues relating to their experiences, whilst remaining neutral. However, this week it was extremely difficult to do so. That's because racism and discrimination is something that none of us, not even journalists, should remain neutral on. We all should challenge ourselves and others when we hear racist rhetoric in our lives. And as you mentioned, Shavai is absolutely dedicated to that and it's brilliant to hear her do so. For anyone feeling insecure about themselves, listening to someone like Shavai could really help. As I've said previously, the point of this podcast is to have better and more fruitful conversations with one another. By listening to Shavai about her own experiences, it's a great way in which we can think deeply about our own experiences and therefore make a change if we think we need to. As ever, please follow my Instagram handle at Better Discussions Pod and the university's podcast and radio station at Fuse FM. And join me next week for another episode of Better Discussions. Goodbye.